Good morning. It's November 17th. It's another mild morning in New York City, and this is your Indignity Morning Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Skoka, taking a look at the day and the news. Al Jazeera is reporting that the director of Al-Shifa Hospital in Gaza says that the remaining 22 patients in its intensive care unit died overnight as the Israeli military occupation of the hospital continues. The front page of the New York Times has an update on the ongoing inability of the Israeli military to produce any evidence of the major Hamas command center that was supposed to be underneath the hospital, which was the justification supplied for targeting the hospital in the first place. Israel did, the Times reports, produce video of what it said was a tunnel underneath the hospital complex, which is in line with the long-standing claims that Gaza is honeycombed throughout by tunnels used by Hamas, and so doesn't seem to advance the claim that the hospital represented anything particularly unusual or militarily important. Israel's ability to prove its claim that Hamas was using hospitals as cover, the Times writes, could be the key to whether its foreign allies continue to support its military response to Hamas's attack. The ongoing hospital situation is not the lead story on page one, because Gaza was bumped over to the second from the right column by George Santos. And what the Times calls the scathing 56-page report released by the House Ethics Committee after its inquiry into Santos's various hijinks. Investigators, the Times writes, reported finding evidence of widespread malfeasance throughout Mr. Santos's congressional campaigns, from fictitious loans to brazen grift. A whole separate sidebar dives into the details of his shopping sprees. Over just a few days last November, the story says, Mr. Santos dropped $6,000 at Ferragamo, perhaps partly on the red designer sneakers he later wore to walk the marble halls of Congress. He withdrew $800 in cash at a casino, where aides said he liked to play roulette. He paid off his rent, and he pulled out another $1,000 in spending money at an ATM near his apartment in Queens. The bit about perhaps partly on the red designer sneakers seems kind of forced. Given that there are supposed to be hundreds of pages of supporting documents about his misspending, what's the point in speculating about it? Just say what he's definitely accused of doing. And speaking of overreach, both stories, the main one and the sidebar, contain lines crediting the New York Times and others with discovering Santos's deceptions and malfeasance, which is pretty chesty for a newspaper that totally whiffed on the story, very much in its own backyard until after the election had happened. Getting out ahead of a sketchy candidate, the front page also has, in public causes, Kennedy earns acclaim, criticism, and a fortune, documenting how Robert F. Kennedy Jr., the anti-vaccine crank turned presidential candidate, has strung together a series of various hustles that enable him to rack up household expenses of more than a million dollars a year, living the life of a very, very rich person, despite his relatively paltry personal share of what's left of Joe Kennedy Sr.'s bootlegging fortune. Somehow, here in the Trump era, the overall effect of this is to make RFK Jr. sound like a more plausible presidential candidate than ever before, showing off a practical side and an ability to get things done that had not previously been in evidence. Elsewhere on page one is a story about celebrities confronting TikTok over anti-Semitism on the site, which somehow goes from talking about people posting things like Hitler was right to talking about claims that TikTok is promoting pro-Palestinian anti-Israel content, which seems like not the same thing. Both that story and a full story below it on page A12 bring up the claim that TikTok is making people go crazy for Osama bin Laden this week. Videos on TikTok supporting a decades-old letter by Osama bin Laden criticizing the United States and its support of Israel surged in popularity this week, the one story says. 
a claim which people who care about this stuff have more or less entirely debunked. What went viral this week was a claim on the website formerly known as Twitter by the journalism-adjacent attention economy entrepreneur Yashar Ali that large numbers of TikTok users were promoting bin Laden content. The actual surge in interest appears to have been driven by the moral panic caused by the claim that there was a surge of interest, and the vector of disinformation or malinformation or whatever it was was not the insidious TikTok algorithm, but a guy with extensive experience on well-established platforms using his skills to manufacture a sensation for credulous journalists. Sometimes the new problems are just the same old problems. The United States' looming panda shortage may not be a problem after all, as Xi Jinping, in a speech Wednesday night, the Times reports, told an audience in San Francisco, we are ready to continue our cooperation with the United States on panda conservation and do our best to meet the wishes of the Californians so as to deepen the friendly ties between our two peoples. That suggests that the currently panda-free San Diego Zoo may get back into the panda game. The National Zoo in Washington, D.C., which shipped its share of pandas back to China last week, told the Times it had no comment on Xi's latest remarks. And the Los Angeles Times, digging into the story of the fire that closed the 10 freeway, has pulled some fascinating storylines from the ashes. What went up in flames was apparently not an unofficial junkyard after all, but an unlicensed industrial park complex, whose landlord had leased the property from the State Department of Transportation to use as a parking lot or storage lot, and then allegedly subleased it to a dozen immigrant entrepreneurs at a heavy markup so they could operate their various businesses under the highway overpass. This scheme was reportedly in the middle of melting down, thanks to the landlord's failure to pay Caltrans its rent. The tenants, in turn, had stopped paying him the rent, and the fire, which destroyed their uninsured businesses and possessions, was arson, according to the fire investigators. That is the news. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe to Indignity to keep us going. And if all goes well, we will talk again on Monday. Enjoy the weekend. (laughs) 